Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you're here and you claim to be a real follower of Christ, there will be the evidence. Many, many years ago, Wendy's had a great commercial. Little old lady. She used to come out. You remember what she said, don't you? Where's the beef? The hamburger's about that big, you know, she's, where's the beef? Well, for the Christian, where's the fruit? That's exactly right. If you claim to be, it will be there. If you had a relative who was famous and you wanted to meet up with them, there'd be hoops you'd have to jump through. You'd have to prove that you were actually related to this person. You'd have to prove that your immediate family was related to their immediate family. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that it's the same for someone who claims to be a Christ follower. You have to show proof of your family ties. You'll learn what in your life gives an indication of the spiritual family you belong to. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 6 as he begins his message, Confident Hope. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We already covered these first six verses, but I think it's good as we move into these other five verses that we'll cover to make sure that we're on the same page. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of this coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance... Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. The last time we covered those three verses, we learned that this passage is not talking about a person who slips or falls in their relationship with God, goes back to sinning, but... As they do, they're miserable, their conscience kicks in, they want to repent, and they come back in their relationship with God. This passage is not talking about the person who, because of their background in church, constantly worries that they have committed the unpardonable sin. 
If you worrying that you committed the unpardonable sin, as we said, you certainly couldn't have committed it because once you do that, it just simply means that you're never, ever, ever interested in anything of God again. This passage was warning real Christ followers to be careful because you can decide to deliberately, not by accident, not a one-time thing, to deliberately walk away from God. So we learned in that teaching something very important. There's a difference between backsliding and apostasy. And here's one of the keys that we gave you. A Christ follower cannot lose their salvation. I never worry one instant about my salvation. But they can walk away from it or leave it. You do have a choice. If you just stay abiding, as John 15 said with Christ, John 15, just abide in me and I'll abide in you. You never have to worry about one thing. He who began a good work in you will complete it. But be careful because we had a free will to come to Christ. We have a free will if we decide to permanently leave him. Well, there's a practical application of that deep, deep theology that we went through in verse 7. And it's about land or soil or crops. Let's look at it. Land that drinks in rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. So it's a practical application of something in the physical world that is really a spiritual principle. When the good news falls like rain in the heart of a person, what can happen? Well, if the soil is good, when the good news comes, the result will be the blessing of God and an abundant crop. The fruit or the crop will reveal if the heart has been receptive to the good news. Remember, we talked about the difference between a professing Christ follower and a real Christ follower. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, just for a second. Keep your finger right there in Hebrews. We'll be right back. Maybe a year ago, we were a little less than that. We were in this passage about this parable. This is a very similar parable that's in Mark chapter 4. It gives us great insight into what happens when the word of God, the seed, is sown. Matthew 13, verse 3. Jesus speaking. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So you see the three elements in this parable. Parable is always a simple story of something in the natural that has one at least huge spiritual application. The farmer or the sower is Jesus in this parable, but really that applies to any of us. I'm casting seed. 
when you share the good news, when you invite people even to comedy night or whatever, you're sharing an opportunity to come and see that serving Jesus Christ is a, well, it's a ball. It's a lot of fun. It's great. The C is always the word of God, the living word of God. Specifically in this parable, it's not necessarily a teaching. It's more the good news. But remember, the word of God is a lie. Nothing is ever wrong with the seed. Now, those of you that come from up north or you planted a lot, maybe you plant even a small garden here, you know, you have to get new seed every year. You look and it tells you the date on the seed when it's going to go out of date, whatever. This never goes out of date. It's always alive. And so in this parable, understand the written word of God is the living word of God, which is Jesus Christ himself. Now, when that seed is planted, the different soils, as you know, are the receptive people to someone who just isn't receptive to someone that seems like they are, and then the joy's over in a week or two, nothing really takes place to somebody. The third category, we don't really know with the thorns. It's debatable. Is this person really a believer that, well, they have salvation, but they have absolutely no fruit to stand before Christ, and it's all burned up, as we discover from 1 Corinthians 3? Or... Maybe they are also a person that was a professing Christ follower, but never really followed through. The one we are sure of is in verse 8, and it goes back to the same thing that we just talked about in Hebrews. When the water came on this soil, when the word came on this soil, it produced a crop. The blessing of God was seen. Now, what about you? Why is the author writing to this little home church in Rome talking about soil and plants and seed and fruit. Well, he's doing that because he's sure these are not people that are going to go back on God. He knows they're really believers. Remember, one of the three options that we studied a few weeks ago was that many people believe that the Hebrew people that were talked about here in verses 1 through 6 weren't really believers. Well, I think that's not true at all. It's very difficult for you to get that from the text. Now, you, if you're a believer in Christ, a real believer in Christ, you need to see what John 15 says. You don't need to turn there. Let's be reminded what's really taking place in the sequence. And you don't need to write this down, but it's a good review for all of us. Remember, Jesus said in John 15, 6, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So in my life, when, I, when Christ chose me, And here's where we have the difference between Calvinist and Arminianism. Calvinist would say God only chose so many people to become Christians. Many others he never chose. You can want to become a Christian, but you can't. Well, we don't believe that at all. Jesus Christ died for all the world. But even though Christ chose me from the foundation of the world, I have to make a choice to follow him. If I do that, the evidence will be there. And he just didn't choose me to go, hey, Mark, you're one of my sons. Have a nice life. See you in heaven. No, he chose me then. This comes from John 15. We're, we're abiding in the vine. He chose me to produce fruit. Here's the five main kinds of fruit that you will see in your life. So if you're here and you claim to be a real follower of Christ, there will be the evidence 
Many, many years ago, Wendy's had a great commercial. Little old lady. She used to come out. You remember what she said, don't you? Where's the beef? The hamburger's about that big. You know, she's, where's the beef? Well, for the Christian, where's the fruit? That's exactly right. If you claim to be, it will be there. Well, where? First, godly character. You say, what does that mean? Specifically, you can go to Galatians chapter 5 to see what godly character is. The fruit of the Spirit. It'll be evident. Not perfect, but it'll be there. Then godly works. Ephesians 2.10. After salvation, God created you to do good things. A lot of those things are taking place in our life. Then, of course, Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I wanted to come and have fruit among you. He wanted to bring the gospel to them. So when you share the good news, no matter whether it's received or not, that's not our role. When you share the good news, you're producing fruit. Godly giving. Jesus says to the Pharisees, man, you're talking about giving the mint and just a little teeny bit of the herbs and whatever, but you miss the whole deal about giving. It's not just money. It's not just minute stuff. It's your life. And then, of course, what we did just a few moments ago. Praise. By the way, it doesn't have to be just in here. Hopefully when you go home or when you're in the car or whatever. So if you're a Christian, there should be some praise happening in your life. You should be thankful, and it will be evident as you move through there. Now, the planting of this word in the hearts of people is meant to produce fruit. John 15, I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me, notice, if, I have a choice, and I in him, he will bear Much fruit. Oh, and by the way, apart from me, nada, nothing. So we understand that where our fruit comes from is because we're abiding in the vine. If I'm apart from the vine, there is no light. There is no spiritual. The soils, you understand that very easily. So what is the deal about this whole parable? Well, it's about one statement. And here it is. Those who hear the word of God and obey it will be fruitful. It's not just about hearing the word of God. All of these people heard the word of God. But the obedience proves it found good soil. And that's when you and I have to think about when the truth of God takes root in our heart, fruit results. If there's no root then there's been no conversion. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 8. So that's evident. The writer gives us a little illustration of both things. Notice verse 8. But, so here we have the contrast to what we just read. Land that produces not good fruit, but thorns and thistles is worthless. And is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Now notice one thing. God knows if there's fruit or no fruit. Of all the ones 
you and I sometimes, we should be able to see some, but sometimes we're, we're not astute enough to understand what's really going on in the heart of a person because we can't see a person's heart. But God sees the heart. He knows very well what's really taking place. Now, an apostate is like verse 8. They can't produce anything but thistles and thorns. There isn't anything. An apostate's not like a wish-believe believer. There just absolutely is nothing there. Nothing of any value. The gospel was refused. There's no relationship at all with the gardener. And the result, there is really no crop. Or if it is a crop, it's absolutely useless. Let me just read to you from the amplified version of John 15. You don't need to turn there. Just think about this. All the words in the relationship. See, everything we have to be reminded of is the writer to the Hebrews is talking about a very different thing from Judaism to Christianity. Christianity was a relationship, individual relationship, not this religious. Of course, the Pharisees had made it. Can you be good enough? And they made it so, no, you can't be good enough. Let me just read it to you. I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, in other words, that stops bearing, he cuts away, he trims off, he takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes it, prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it more and richer and more excellent fruit. So we'll get to that a little later in the book of Hebrews. If you're a Christian, you will be pruned. I know there's not a lot of amens there, but that's going to happen. And it is never harmful, but it hurts. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Now dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. In other words, live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding, being virtually united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Now I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, here we go, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. Verse 6 sounds very much like verse 8, doesn't it, that you look at? Let me read verse 6. You look at verse 8 in Hebrews. This is verse 6 of John 15. If a person does not dwell in me, he's an apostate, he is thrown out, broken off, like a broken off branch, and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Now, can apostate ever turn to God? Absolutely. Right up to the end. But if they refuse to, what happens? That's the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is refusing to accept the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our heart about accepting Jesus Christ. 
If you refuse the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that you have been convicted, that's the role of the Spirit to convict us. If you refuse that, you cannot come to salvation. If you refuse that and then on your last breath, that's the end of it, then obviously you've committed the unpardonable sin. It's impossible. But right up to that point, many, many times we've dealt with individuals in a hospital. Jesus dealt with one on the cross who was not a believer, didn't believe in anything. One of the thieves came to Christ. One remained apart from Christ. The destination, different. One, as you see here, burn, hell, fire, brimstone. The other thief, what did Jesus say? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, when that young man, or whatever age he was, went to heaven, how many crowns, how many gifts to put before God? Nothing. But at least, as 1 Corinthians says, he was saved, he just had nothing to give to Christ. So, way better, obviously, to come to Christ early. Now, what's the protection for you and I, we're believers, We have absolutely no idea in our mind that we would ever want to be an apostate. And so I have to understand that I think the writer says to these individuals, I don't ever expect you to do this. I'm going to give you five ways that can keep us sensitive to the things of God that the writer gives us here so that you and I would never be in danger of ever walking away from God permanently. Not even as a backslider, certainly not as an apostate. So let's begin, and let me show you these five keys as we go through the Scripture. The first one is encouragement. Look at verse 9. The writer says, even though we speak like this, like what? Well, he's just said to them, warning, 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 don't be an apostate, don't be an apostate, don't be an apostate. Now, why did he do that? Because it was possible. So he warns them. The severest warning we can ever get. The absolute most severest warning. Because if that person never repents, they're lost for eternity. So understand, this writer presents it to him, but he isn't thinking that they're going to be these people. But it's a valid warning to them. How many of us as parents think about this? When we raise our kids, and especially when they get to the teenage years, we warn them about all kinds of things. And it isn't because we're thinking John or Susie that afternoon are going to go out and do all those things. We just know what's out there, don't we? And we warn them about it. And we do that, why? Our kids don't understand it now, but when they become parents, they do. We do that because we love them. We know what's out there. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about being open to receiving God's Word. You were reminded that there are four ways to respond to the preaching of the Gospel. However, three of the four led a person to walk away from Jesus. Pastor Mark also talked about the fact that having head knowledge about Jesus isn't enough. You have to have God's Word planted in your heart. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Confident Hope. He'll be talking about fruit. Not the kind on a tree or vine, but the evidence that God's working in and through your life. He'll talk about God's love for you and God's desire for you to maximize your potential. You'll also find out that God's love can sometimes require that he pull you back into line. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.